0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sonic Talk, the first of 2014. It feels like, um, well, I guess if we'd done one at the turn of the century, that would have been even more monumentous. But it's been a couple of weeks, just the way that the holidays felt. So I hope you haven't missed us too much. I had a a, a reasonably good uh, Christmas break and did take quite a lot of time off, which was quite nice. But I want to say welcome to our guests. We've got uh, the return of a couple of wanderers who we haven't seen for a long time. I think I'll start with them. I'll start with Rich Hilton, because we haven't seen him for ages. Rich Hilton, of course, in the band with Chic, uh, probably one of the busiest... Players on the planet at the moment, all over the place. I don't know. You were over, over in the Pacific region and uh, all over the place, weren't you? On the in the Antipodean islands and what have you. You've, how long have you been back? Um, how long have I been back? I don't know. A couple of weeks, something like that. We. I was speculating before the show uh, that your air miles must be simply awesome at the moment.
1: Um, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I've racked up quite a few. <laughs> I've been around the world world twice since the beginning of November.
0: Bloody hell. Physically. That is is awesome. That is awesome. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you here, Rich. And, of course, Rich is not only... The, uh, keyboard, one of the keyboard players with Sheik uh, in the live experience. He's also uh Nile Rodgers studio guy. So he, he sort of straddles firmly the divide between studio and live work uh, in a very kind of brilliant way for us because we get the benefit of his experience. So thanks for joining us, Rich. And um, we'll go to also Mr. Jem Godfrey from uh, Planet Frost, oh, blogspot.com. He's, uh, again, professional keyboard player, producer, engineer, arranger, all sorts of things. What have you been doing then?
2: Um, I'd like to say I've been twice around the world, but I think I've probably only been twice around the garden since November, to be honest. <laughs> kind of, uh, I haven't really, I, I, not much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm hoping 2014 will be a slightly busier year towards, I mean, I've, I've been doing lots of bits and pieces, but nothing really I can wave a big flag about, so not yet anyway.
0: Ah, well, that sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to the time when you will be able to. Um, but thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Jem, of course, um, we've, we had him on a couple of times. Um, he's, he's had a very interesting, he's, I'd say, would you say you're more of a studio guy, but you did tour with, um, with some big musos as well, haven't you? You've been kind of, you're a the stage and studio guy, really. Yeah, I,
2: I kind of, I think, I, uh, now, since I've had kids, I kind of like, prefer to be more of a studio person, because I do get a bit homesick, and uh, it's kind of, I think uh, it's, it's, Uh, i'd rather be at home at the
0: moment put it that way no fair enough i think that's absolutely fair enough well thank you for joining us and uh, looking forward to your thoughts i hope you had a great holiday and what have you we'll go now to mr mark tinley with a new lower third the the last minute i'm just you know i'm able to 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 change things on the i hope i spelled that right MarkTinley.co.uk, um creative thinker music technologist and sort of what's looking like every time i see you mark you, you look like impersonating yet another dutch master there's something about the, <laughs> uh, compositionally, not like you don't look like a Dutch master. Excellent. It's your room, it's just there's something about the lighting in your room that makes you it look it, it does you justice. How are you, Mark? Had a good Christmas and that? I'm
3: very well, yeah. I've, I've, have, I have made an achievement. I walked uh, to the top of Glastonbury Tour on Christmas Day, which is a hell of an achievement, following the operations on my Achilles tendons. And then I did it again on New Year's Day. But on New Year's Day, I decided that I was going to go and make impulse responses of the inside of St. Michael's Tower, but it was so unbelievably windy that I could barely stand up. Ah. My poor partner nearly got blown off the top of the tour and was like, oh, I'm really scared, help! And the dog, uh, the same. Um, But while I was up there, I noticed something really interesting, and that's that the tower has an open top. So it's like a massive square flute. Because it's got holes in the side where the windows used to be, so I was standing in there and it's like going,
0: <laughs>
3: so I recorded that instead, and then I analysed it in Isotope and worked out what the frequency is. So my next task will be to go up there with a sine wave generator and see if I can get the whole thing to really resonate and, oh, that uh, sounds that interesting. and see what happens.
0: And could you put your fingers over some of the windows so you could play it like a flute? That would be pretty <laughs> awesome as well.
3: You need some pretty big pieces of MDF with felt on, I suppose. And, yeah, and I can't imagine that, the National yeah, Trust. You know, that's an Indiegogo project, isn't it? <laughs> Help me turn St. Michael's Tower into a flute.
0: A giant flute. Yeah, I, that is, that is, I think that's probably worthy of an Indiegogo. I mean, just, it would be a, make a great kind of um, Sky Arts programme. One of those yeah, kind of things. Massive
3: machine on the side of it. I'd have to do it with fire though, because I like those pyrophone things as well. So yeah, okay. Well, let's go do... there with a with a forty gallons of petrol in the or gasoline <laughs> for the Americans <laughs> at night to see what happens. I would I would pay to watch that. <laughs>
2: what could possibly go
0: wrong? I think well, I think you know if there's any if any program uh, producers out there, you know. Just get in touch with Mark and uh, see if you can make that happen. Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, Gaz Williams is also... as Gaz Williams, you look like you're actually on top of Everest in the snow wearing a kind of really warm, wintry thing. I expect to see a Yeti at any point sort of <laughs> gr- grab you by the shoulder. <laughs> Gaz Williams, no. of course, bass, professional bass player and uh, music technologist and co-host of the uh, excellent, if I might add, Sonic Touch, of which we've just posted one. Um, yep. If you want to watch that, that's there's a couple of uh episodes what will we do uh we did uh electrify nxt and uh the brilliantly titled stroke machine anyway guys stroke how
4: are machine. you hey i'm good thanks uh just apologies first i can't see the chat room so um i'm really sorry about that so uh but um, yeah i'm good thank you um yeah, good. I'm looking forward to the new year now. Uh, I've had some tours coming in and various bits and bobs, so it's looking quite a good. I'm quite excited about, about what's coming up now. Um, oh, work and everything. Mm, which is nice. <laughs> Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm really happy to be back on the show. Um, and, yeah, great to have, well, to have Rich and Jem. and i was just mentioning. <laughs> yeah. Just mentioning to Jem before the show began that, I actually, I've met Jem in person. I bought a keyboard off him <laughs> uh, a couple of years back. Um, that was a Blowfeld keyboard. So I just haven't been on the show with him on there yet. So I was just quite... Excited to tell him that. (laughs) Excellent.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you aboard, Gaz. And uh, yes, we should also say happy new year and uh, happy holidays to uh, guests who haven't been able to make it. Dave is uh, at the back specialist being tweaked. I think he's done something, so I hope he's all right. But I want to say thank you uh, to him for his contributions last year and we hope to see him again soon. What I really need is like a massive, I just need another 10 grand's worth of hardware so I can just get, you know, six or eight people dialing in and then we can just have everybody at one big party and all that anyway that's that's just one of my that's my, one of my new year's resolutions one, uh, one topic
4: for show then as well it would be wouldn't it one topic
0: for show yeah <laughs> the hellos would take about an hour and a half yeah <laughs> anyway gem Hello. you've got you've got a keyboard there i think uh, you played something like, what what is that you can't have this? a keyboard in shot and not make a noise on it
2: this uh, well, this is my um, I, I, this is my Emax Two, my Emu Emax Two, which I picked <sighs> up the the week. Um, it's it's let me uh, let me see if I can get something going here, come to life. It's uh, basically it's the it's the middle range of the second version, so it's the two meg version. Uh, you've got fantastic sounds, which I'm sure you'll remember, like this. Oh yeah. And if you're feeling in a kind of pet shoppy voice, we've got, we've got the... <laughs> on and uh, the best thing I like about this is that it's actually it got the sequences from, um, from some of the original sort of sound demos. So this is a sequence direct from
0: 1989.
2: Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Robot dance.
0: <laughs> oh that's just genius I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving i'm loving the fact that I, I, like I like that i like that too in fact it reminds me if you want to see some robot dancing if you watch the end of our last sonic touch me and gaz do some fairly uh, dodgy germanic robot dancing and at the end of a 30 minute show that we produced most of the comments are oh, awesome dancing and it's like well yeah what about the 30 minutes of content we? but anyway it doesn't matter you know so <laughs> uh, nicely done jam you, you look how are you loading the library have you got floppies or something
2: i've uh, i've bought a zip disk because i bought the whole library the whole the whole can you see that
0: there the, yeah that's the whole, everything the, the
2: entire thing it's everything so nice. uh, I'd be going through it. There's some absolute peaches. I mean, there's some dogs, but there's some peaches as well. So it's uh, my sort of, my task for the next couple of weeks is just to go through everything and put everything in a place where all the good stuff is. But there's some absolute, because the thing is, at the moment, this is obviously the big vogue for collecting sort of analogue synths and stuff. And I'm hoping that I'm just nipping slightly ahead of collecting digital synths Because <laughs> this was 250 quid from
3: a bloke in home. Oh. does that still have a Curtis filter in it? Or did had they dropped uh, no, the Curtis
2: filter the, yeah, this The second one was a digital filter, but it's still, it's not too bad, though. But it's just kind of, it's just, but it's it's just, it's got that lovely, crunchy kind of, you can't, I mean, you can sort of, you can stick low-file or a plug-in and stuff, but it doesn't quite have the cruddy it's kind of. It's also got
3: sense, sample rate, because the sample rate divides into musical divisions a lot more sensibly than 44.1. It's something like 32,970 or something in there. I can't remember the number, but.
2: Exactly. And also, the other thing about it is it's got a thing, if you, um, it's got a, on the uh, master button, there's a, there's a function called bird run. And if you enter it, then basically an emu runs across the LCD display.
0: Ah, oh, now every keyboard should have that. That's yeah, a fabulous, exactly. e- <laughs> fabulous Easter egg. <laughs> fabulous. So, so well, thank you.
2: You can't really argue with it, really. So yeah, two
0: hundred and fifty quid. No, that's a money. bargain. And thank you for taking us down memory lane there. That was uh, <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. I suppose we've got topics that we could uh, we could get onto now. I've just realised I haven't got a mouse plugged into my um, my laptop. So when I hit the uh, the chat room, I can only take the, um, the, the what's currently there, which might be a bit disappointing. But as you had said, that we should just produce a dance show, we'd probably get more hits. <laughs> <laughs> You might be right, but if we got some girls involved, that might make sense. But uh, I'm not sure that people people were paid to see a bald bloke with glasses doing robot dancing. But I I am I, I continuously underestimate the. Uh, That the uh, video-watching public. Anyway, let's see. What have we got the first one? Ah, yes, here it is.
4: Music has the ability to instantly connect viewers to the heart of a film. Join The Hollywood Reporter as we sit down with the creative forces behind the year's most celebrated scores. On this episode, we have Hans Zimmer of Rush and 12 Years a Slave, Thomas Newman for Saving Mr. Banks, Henry Jackman for Captain Phillips, Stephen Price for Gravity, Christoph Beck for Frozen, and Alan Silvestri for The Crudes. Welcome to the Hollywood Reporter Roundtables. The
0: that's probably it. I'm probably already busted by uh, YouTube anyway, but that's uh, that. I found this on Tara Bush's uh, Facebook page if you want to follow her because she posts some really good stuff. And this, I hadn't seen this, and there's a whole series of stuff. In fact, they've got um, producers, directors, editors, uh, agents, uh, comedy actresses, comedy actors, you know, leading. It's, it's a the whole series of people that are all sitting around and sort of talking about what it's like to do the job within the movie industry, which is absolutely brilliant. Did anyone get a chance to look at this and see? Um, and see any of it? I mean, uh, it was a bit of a scoop getting Hans Zimmer there. I didn't realise he did Rush. I saw that; it was absolutely brilliant. Did anyone get a chance to watch it, or is it going to be a tumbleweed moment?
3: No, I watched it all of it.
0: Interesting, wasn't it? The the the, the Very recurring interesting. the recurring themes of. Uh, Fear and rejection and uh, insecurity about creative ability uh, as well as handling diplomatically um, people in the same boat on the visual side. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good.
3: I mean, I thought it was, I, I was kind of blown away as much by the humanity of all the people that were speaking as anything else or how humble they were. Because I, if I was Hans Zimmer, I wouldn't be that humble. <laughs> But maybe I need to go and do some more work on my ego. (laughs) And then what's this Predator 2 clip as well? Because they all seem to end up saying that, is it Alan uh, Alan Silvestre? Yeah, Alan Silvestre was one of them. Yeah. So they all suddenly got onto this thing about that Predator 2 score was the score that really did it for me and that, uh, the younger chap was sort of saying that as well, and I, now I want to go and find out what that is. That's sort of the next, the next uh, hook in the thread. It's like, oh, what was that then? If they're if they're all rating that as their sort of number one, you know, most brilliant score, I want to know what that is.
0: Yes, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I'm the film. I recall the film Predator. Um, I think it, the, the franchise got a bit terrible when it was Predators versus Aliens ten or whatever it ended up as, but. I think the initial one was uh, very atmospheric. Um, I know a lot of you have worked on film scores. Have you ever done uh, an in, one in, in, in its absolute entirety? So, being responsible for the entire sound world of a film? Rich, have you had that opportunity?
1: Uh, not as Richard Hilton, no.
0: Well, or, or just in terms of a project generally. I mean, presumably yes. not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, then. In that case, yes. But uh, not under my name, no.
0: So, how, I mean. Uh, and how is that process generally have you, have you found? I mean, do you, did you get a chance to see this and recognize any of the kind of the things that were that they were talking about in there?
1: I didn't have time to watch this this morning. Okay. By the time I knew I was going to be on the podcast, it was too late. I didn't have time left to watch this thing. So um, I read some of the interview uh, that apparently is depicted in the video, and um, but not enough to be able to answer your question. Ah,
0: Okay well the, the, I think the the, the, the thing, one of the, the the themes that seemed to come out of it was when 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 you're working with a director and you know th- this idea of notion of temp music and they get very attached to it and then they want something that's almost exactly the same, but then you get this other scenario where they didn't actually shoot what they needed to happen in the scene, so you've got to sort of make it happen uh. like the dog i think the, the, the thing that they used was the dog didn't actually run fast enough out of shot. And it's supposed to be a really exciting moment. So you've got to sort of make it seem more exciting than it actually was. And you get that kind of that because usually one expects the music to follow the visuals and just kind of support it and and be fairly uh, in,
3: in transparent, uh, yeah, and really
0: rather than actually. Can you can you fix this for us, please? Because it doesn't work very well. Well, I don't know. If that's, that's an-
1: I've seen all of that. Yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> every single one of those
1: scenarios you've just described i've seen but it sounds it,
0: i mean it sounds like for all of those guys a lot of it is is again it's people management and people skills you know and just that interfacing with the director and the you know who might be kind of going out of his mind with stress and worry and you know he's been obsessing about this for for ages uh, another thing that was interesting was that whole thing about yeah this moment here when the look of uh when the, when when this expression changes and there's that really and, and you're watching it going I can't see anything what are you talking about you know there's there is no moment so you have to kind of falsely create invent again, one, yeah. invent one. <laughs> um a, re- a a really very interesting read jem have you um i mean you might, you know working maybe not on a movie level but certainly on maybe t v programs and adverts you must get this that the this sort of mini drama version of what they were talking about for the entire movie right
2: yeah I think you do you kind of it depends. A lot of it depends on, on the client, really. I mean, sometimes you get very, very musical clients who are very, and they were saying this, I, mean, I read the interview as well, and it's that, you know, sometimes they get directors who are very musically kind of, uh, what's the word, um, uh, just dialed in, you know, musically. They have a sort of sense of, of what they want, and there's the kind of clients you think, oh, brilliant, you know. And then the other ones, and I used to get this with writing songs as well, the A&R guy would go, well, we'll know it when we hear it. And you're like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> yeah. So how, it's long, that how of, long have I got? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's that it's it's. I mean, you do obviously, and the, the 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 ethic of it is that you do obviously want to do the best work you can to deliver the thing. And there's that, they were saying there's that thing about music has to be there and then suddenly not there. You know, it's this it's such a fine balancing line, and 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 you know, it's it's. But at the same time, if you get if you get the music right, like the gravity, the, the film, you know, it's such a brilliantly realised piece of music. How it suddenly. It's not there, it doesn't need to be there, but when it's really kicking off, it's like, oh my god, and the music's so beautifully scaled to ratchet up attention and stuff, and it's, I think it, you've just got to kind of, sometimes with stuff I've done, you basically just chuck something out there, thinking it's either going to be liked or it's going to be hated, and you know, occasionally, sometimes, this luck of the draw will just fall on the right side of yes, or start again, you know, so... It's, uh, it's an it's inexact in science, but when, when the kind of numbers involved are like the sort of numbers that Zimmer and that lot have got to deal with, the pressure must be unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that was very interesting was, you know, Zimmer was saying on more than one occasion, you know, he's, he's sat down with the first draft and he's watched through the movie and he just gets up and goes, I know what you're thinking. You're right. I'm going to have to start again. And I just think of the, having the luxury of the clout to be able to say that you could do that and them having to go, all right, then is, is amazing. I don't know. Gaz, have you, uh, would you have the guts to do that, given the, the sort of tight deadline that that, that they're working against?
4: I i mean deadlines are great really aren't they in in that it forces you to stop procrastinating and get on getting it all done so in that respect i would i love actually working to deadlines um i find it quite exhilarating, and I I really like it. I I like having to make those decisions. Um, What it was making me think of, though, was last year I sat in in a studio when some people who were working on a film came in to watch the soundtrack that had been composed. And I was just there, so I was just a silent observer. And uh, they'd worked really hard in the studio making this, what sounded to me, really, really good soundtrack. And they came in, uh, the... I think it was the director and some of the other people involved. And they just weren't... There were so many things that they weren't happy with. And um, so the guy who was producing it was uh, uh, the music. He he would open up the multitrack and then he would mute various elements. Uh, and with each subsequent muting, the the, the 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 director was going, yes, yeah, until they stripped it right down to... they removed most of the interest until there was just this skeletal remains of what was originally there. Um, and I was, I was, I find it quite interesting from the viewpoint that I was in because I could just watch the uh, frustrations of both parties really, because the musicians <laughs> obviously wanted to make it work on a musical level. And then the directors were just more interested in, they weren't really interested in it as a musical element. They were just interested in it, it in, but possibly maybe too far the other way as well. Um, so I d- I don't know. Uh, it, there is a thing, isn't there, where you have to sort of hang up your uh, musical. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what you'd call it. We, you know, you just you have to kind of leave it behind. Your your muse, I guess. You know, and make the director happy i suppose ultimately and even if that means compromising your own musical vision uh and it's i suppose that's a it does get into the ego territory then doesn't it really of just uh uh but mm, but saying that coming back to your original point though um i would like more opportunities to do that sort of thing especially tight deadlines really harsh tight deadlines bring
0: it on <laughs> <laughs> that's very brave i don't know I, I, how do you work on uh, deadlines rich are you kind of a, do you like to work to a really kind of unrealistic point or is it just nice to have something in the distance you know you've got to aim for i mean what when do you find you work best oh muted again Still i
1: said ah. i'm good i'm good with
0: deadlines i'm fine no. with that it's got, I mean, I do you find that you approach things differently when you've got, like, a, a deadline that's kind of like, wow, we've got half an hour? Or, you know what I mean? One of those ones where you just think, well, I can't do things in the way that, you know, maybe I would ordinarily approach this, so it has to be done super fast. Do you find that you... you a, a, yeah, you because know, that requires quite a modification of workflow, I'd imagine. We
1: don't usually work to a half hour's deadline. <laughs> no, <guess> um, so. <laughs> we usually work to, you know, at worst, by the end of the day, or if not by the end of the day, then by the end of the week, or whatever. Like, um, different movies have had different kinds of schedules. When we did Coming to America, they were still shooting the movie while we were doing the score, and they were still re-editing scenes while we were writing score. So things were changing constantly. As we were also composing, as Niall was composing, and we were executing, I should say the uh score and That's um, wow it was fun though, because we're on the uh on the lot where the movie's being shot, and everybody's coming by, and it's it's all kind of very interestingly integrated into the process in a way that it isn't usually, i think, um so that aspect of it was quite cool and uh, then there have been other times where the, you know, the movie has been pretty much shot and for the most part edited and which is a more normal scenario where then you are laying music into the decisions they've made. And um, I was uh, listening with interest to what Gaz had to say, because I sympathize very much with what he was saying about the way the music is viewed in the overall process and how you have to sort of view your work as uh, eminently disposable. And, um, it's all really down to whether or not what you're doing serves the director's vision of the story he thinks he's trying to tell. Hmm. And uh, all other considerations are secondary to yeah. that. And that's sort of what storytelling and movie making is. So I can sort of relate to that. And sometimes, really wonderful pieces of music that suit a scene really well go to the cutting room floor because they don't serve the greater vision of how the story should be progressing at this moment, or they call too much attention to a certain <laughs> aspect of the story or whatever. There's a thousand reasons why I could fail. And there's probably four or five why I might work. And, uh, that's the way movie making is. And that's yeah. how music and music fits into it in a, to a large extent.
0: That's very true. I guess, I guess that's a good point. I, I suppose one of the other big considerations is, um, as directors, uh, become more aware of what is possible even after the fact you know so you can almost explode the 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 two-track master now they you know can't you just melodine it kind of thing there must be quite a lot of um you know taking it right up to the very edge uh, which where in fact you know if you'd recorded the orchestra on the multi-track and it was done at a certain tempo and you wanted the key to fit i mean that was just kind of tough and they go well yeah we can do it again but it's going to cost you x thousand dollars because we need to redo the session that kind of stuff is is more elastic i guess right
1: Are you directing that to me?
0: Anybody, oh, I'm really. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: That's all right. Go I on. was going to answer the other question.
0: Oh, well, you answer that one then, Mark.
3: <laughs> I'll answer the do I like working to a deadline. And the answer is, if I'm the artist and I'm in creative mode, then yes. If I'm working for the artist and they're in creative mode and they're hurrying me to do my job to get it done in time for a deadline, then no. And I think the reason for that is that, all of the, and this is something I picked up from that film, that all of this pottering around that we do, playing around with our library, uh, finding our sound sets, talking to people, going to cafes for coffee and talking to people about creativity and all that, that's the creative process. And the outcome of that, or the goal of that process of pottering around, is creativity and all of that tool set that you kind of gather up is what becomes your armory when you get into one of these scenarios where somebody goes, right, Mark, I want you to write this tune. We need it by next Friday. It's for this. And all of that, you just kind of pull all of that in and you get really into it. If, you, if you're doing it for someone else, then they've got their vision of it and they're asking you, can I look in your toolbox and borrow a spanner? Or see that screwdriver there? Do you think it will fit this screw here? And it's all <laughs> it's just always... Really annoying, um, and but the outcome. the The other point is that the outcome of the deadline is that something needs to be produced by this date. So it no longer becomes a creative process. So the creative process is the tinkering around, finding sounds. So if somebody else, if I'm working for somebody else and they've got their own creative process, it breaks up my creative process, and it just becomes something that it feels like somebody's poking around in in your stuff do
0: you know what I mean? mm. yeah no i think i do know what you mean and and you the autonomy that you get is i think that's probably the hardest thing isn't it that the that you lose a lot of autonomy when you're working on a film because it's out of your control what you were saying rich about you know the the, the, the narrative is the most important thing and yet you know as the composer perhaps perhaps an inexperienced composer if you were then you would that's going to be the thing that you need to relinquish to a degree to be able to kind of uh, make sure that um you know you can serve the purpose that you're supposed to i suppose
2: well i think that's the thing the thing about it is, sorry jumping in here but it's just that it's that kind of it, well i've got two hats because i've got like a lot of client-based work and i also do my own stuff and you have two hats you've kind of got the there's your own hat where you're doing your own stuff where i kind of Your ego is okay, and that's kind of where you get fueled. But then, if you're doing the client stuff, you are, and the same with the films. Not that I've done one, but it's you are kind of you're a cog in that bigger machine, and you've just got to kind of do it when you're required to do it. I think, and that's half the that's maybe half the skill of it.
0: Mm, It sounds like I I did notice that a lot of the still. yeah, go oh, on
3: that. I was going to say that still goes back to the idea that when you've got your own hat on and you're doing your own stuff, the outcome of that is always to just be creative and to come up mm. with creative solutions to things. When you're working for someone else, it's not that you're being creative. The outcome of that is that there needs to be a product for somebody else. So that's not such a creative process because it has something in the future that's calling you to do something, whereas creativity... Has nothing in the future. There's no other goal other than the outcome will be be creative or creativity itself. Yeah.
0: Wow that sounds that sounds eminently right actually. So have I gone that, too deep? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, the more, but I, one thing I did notice about all of the guys in the room, you know, they all had uh, they were the way they talked about the music was very detached. They didn't sort of They talked about it as if it were um, more of a building construction um, rather than an emotional contact they maybe had with a piece that they'd written... The, you know, it didn't. It was. It, I thoroughly recommend watching it. Actually, before before we go on too much down a rabbit hole, if you want to check that <laughs> out, uh, Hollywood Reporter. There's a whole series of them, uh, and yeah, um, and I can thoroughly recommend. If you haven't seen Rush, I didn't know that Hans Zimmer did the music for that, but it's a brilliant film. A really Happy good film. New Year, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I've <happy new>. been. <laughs> so um, let's have a look. This one's really awesome. Check this out. This is the guys, uh, well, based around sort of Tokyo University, University of Tokyo, that have basically created this uh, technology for standing waves that creates, that can levitate objects. Uh, and But they can not only levitate, but they can focus it and move it in X, Y, and Z, like, really quite effectively. It's very impressive. Uh, you saw it there with just the... Um, uh, polystyrene beads, but you know, here, like there's a little resistor. So, some stuff with more than a reasonable mass, we're talking about. It's not just kind of pieces of human hair and stuff. Um, and it's just a really interesting concept. I mean, it's very scientific and still, you know, I don't know how big it could go, but. Uh, We've seen things before. What's the na- there's a name for it, isn't there? Where you you put you pass sound waves through liquid and you view the results, and it's got a specific scientific kind of uh, practice. And I'm not sure we've covered it before, but this sort of takes. So what's this one? This is that, is that a piece of dry ice or something? That's so that's what it's doing to the smoke, and then they do. Um, it's just really quite amazingly precise. Anyway, I won't go on about not about. Pretty awesome though. That again, I think that 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 came up um, on the Twitter feed. So, just looks looks brilliant. I wonder how big it could go. What you could use it for. I mean, I'm just well, wondering what at, applications.
2: I was looking at the blurb yesterday on it, and I was actually quite interested to see if it said the things you can place in it. You can have it's like electrical components, bits of plastic, and I think the last thing was small animals. <laughs> really? so it's put like a vole in the middle of it. This thing is going. To... <laughs> We <laughs> I mean, just—I'd pay
0: for that. It's just—I mean, how how big do you go? That's the thing. I just, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you know, I mean, and how? I, I, but the thing is, is I mean, as we know, you know, if you are actually within those sort of waves, it can be incredibly uncomfortable. And that, those, I guess, the, with those, they're getting—they're getting into the sort of uh, theta wave kind of stuff, which well, is the, the thing. That also, m-
2: the other question I was thinking is, what does it actually sound like? Because I was just looking all the videos and it's all sort of overdubbed with classical music and stuff. Yeah, and you and that's not like, what Bleh! that's not what
0: it is. It's just sort of, it's like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it be like this
2: awful sound, you know, this terrible sound. Ter- because it's quite scary. There's a bit where all the polystyrene balls are sort of, and they go, Bleh! like that, and then this like four of them come up. and It's like, ooh, it's all a bit... It's all, it makes my skin go a bit if funny. You,
3: that. If you look at the diagram, though, where they've put where they've drawn the diagram, they've got one waveform going in one direction, another waveform going in the other direction, and then the thing is sitting in between the waveforms. But theoretically, if you've got two waveforms of the same frequency overlapping one another like that, then wouldn't you hear silence? So No, they'd have
0: to be in phase, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they have to be in phase? F- oh, no, they'd be out of phase with each other. Yes, you're right. Out it?
3: Phase. So it would be silent. So I reckon this is how alien technology works. The reason we never hear space... <laughs> Well, apart from the fact they probably don't exist. But the reason why we never hear flying saucers coming and they're always silent or always depicted as silent is because they're using this technology and there's phase cancellation on the sound that moves them around. So they just kind of appear. Well, they don't even do... They just... I, li-
0: I really like the idea that's, that spaceships are powered by massive subwoofers in the boot. I think that's just that's a, just a lovely notion, isn't it? Bates. All your base are belong to us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really does come come totally true there, doesn't it?
2: All these cones are ours. Yeah.
0: I, love it. I know, Gaz, what would you levitate?
4: Mm. Well, I mean, the, the thing that was getting me, though, I was thinking you know, music affects us in profound ways. And I was thinking, well, our bodies are made up of all sorts of very tiny, microscopic little elements. And it it, it started making me think that if we're in a sound field, you know, like listening to music loud, and, you know, we're feeling the vibrations, but maybe things are happening on such a a tiny level. I, I love the idea of all my molecules actually sort of, Performing a ballet when I listen to music, you know, just it, 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 my, my, my whole innards are, 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 are performing this incredible synchronized dance um, or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get you. I mean, I'm, I'm that level so of there's interaction.
3: There's a vast range of frequencies way beyond the human ear in both directions that we have no perception or no oral perception of. So, I, I mean, me, I've gone, you know, old man deaf now. So, Above about twelve k, it just starts to disappear. But um,
0: I don't think any of those high frequency of... ones are going to levitate you. But
3: I mean, it's the same thing, isn't well, why it? Why not? But they, they charge mobile phones. Sony have got that device where they put the the Walkman into a U shaped thing. And it sends electricity to the Walkman via waves. Okay, they're not sound waves because they're not in our aural field, but they're still waves. All of these microwaves are still just waves. There's nothing different about those it's waves. It's just the frequency of them.
0: right? Mm. Yeah. Interesting thought. I know, Rich, have you... I mean, it's like the vibrating coffee cup across the table when the bass is too high in the uh, <laughs> in the whatever. Um but, that, I mean, there are some interesting phenomenon that can happen. I mean, the, 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 the days of massive studio speakers are kind of gone now, really, aren't they? But um, we used to get some interesting vibrations in some of the studios. You know, th- those massive euros that used to have light bulbs in them that would go up when you were hitting them too hard, which was always a great measurement of how loud you were monitoring. I quite like that. I guess you don't do much of that now. What's your big monitors? What, what do you use for really big monitors?
1: I don't have big monitors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My point, exactly.
1: Um, I have Dan Audio M1 passive pair and a 15-inch sub is what's at the studio at Niles. And right. uh, he, here I've got a pair of Event 2020 BAS-powered monitors that I've had for, I don't know, 20 years that sound just fine and do what I need them to do here. And uh, I don't have big monitors. <laughs> and when I do have them, I don't listen to them much.
0: Yeah, that's the, they're more the, the I guess because studios were so expensive back in the day. That's what you would have. I mean, you there, you there with the Emacs. Hello. <laughs> have you bought some big monitors <laughs> to go with those those Emacs? You need a pair of Euros with those big that big sort of foam blue thing that used to stick <laughs> out of them.
2: <laughs> and no, you've the to... got I've, I've
0: got a, um, Klein and Hummel O three hundred here. Ooh, nice.
2: Um, yeah, it's, uh, again, it's that thing of I think you know studios, those big speakers. They were the ANR destroyers, weren't they? Like they come in, all right, boys. There's the DFA fader. You fiddle with that, and we'll turn it up to eleven. And it's like ding, and that's kind of I think now those days are gone. <laughs> we don't really need all that anymore, do we?
0: No, I so, suppose. they just hand out the uh, the sets of Bluetooth earbuds? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Play was... them MP3s. Yeah. 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 This is what it'll sound like on the phone, chaps. Yeah. <laughs> actually as yes, you could just hand out iPhones and they can just listen like that couldn't they or have it on the on ear but anyway no i getting terribly uh, old git now but um yes great fun with that i mean if you want to check it out i mean I, i'm sure they'll come up with a reason for doing it i mean but it looks nice in the meantime um so do check it out It's on the various blogs about the place uh, this is sort of tired tiny- uh, Can I just say
3: one last thing? Perhaps the most interesting thing that they did with it was when they injected liquid into the sound field and then it held the liquid in a droplet. I think that there's going to be a technological use for that particular thing because there's no way of containing liquid uh, other than putting it in a container. So to to have liquid contained in air... Is going to be really useful to something. I don't know what. But well, that's it'd be great
0: opinion. in a Bond movie where you've got like a ball of hydrochloric acid suspended in a, yeah. a in a sound wave <laughs> above, you know, your, our hero, and uh, they has got 20 seconds or whatever until the, the the power is switched off and it just splats on top. Yeah, that would be good. Be Brilliant. Good. There we go. I think they should be incorporated. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> um. Right, uh, YouTube owns it. Yeah, this is a scary graphic. Uh, Where is it? Uh, It's over here somewhere. Look at this. This is just mind-blowing. Right, that big blue line there um, denotes the percentage of uh, online video content uh, viewed in the US in 2013 and the top online properties. That's YouTube, and those little tiny blips at the bottom is everybody else, with the next nearest being Hulu Vivo Vivo. Uh, I don't even. I don't think even it um, doesn't look like Vimeo is even on the <laughs> on the graph. Wow! And <clears throat> I tell you one thing that it made me think more than anything else. Rather than you know that that's incredible that any one entity could have such a monopoly of content. But does it really say something about us as consumers how lazy we are that we're not prepared to sort of um, look around for any alternative sources just in the name of um, uh, you know. Uh, balance it's but it's an intro it just kind of illustrates to me how how lazy we are and how we're always going to take the path of least resistance and that's that's kind of quite scary in some ways because once you've got that going on then you've basically got you know there's no choice is there i suppose in fact um uh, this is all part of um it's good Actually, it's called Music Tech Policy. It's by a guy called uh, Chris Castle. And he posts a lot of really interesting points about music uh, policy and about rights management and about all sorts of other things. But um, he didn't really post all that much about this. But um, it is kind of interesting because, as we know, more and more people are rather than using Spotify or anything else, they just search for it on YouTube and play it on the computer yeah. over the speakers, and it's it's becoming fast becoming a music delivery platform. I don't know whether whether it means what the, whether it means anything particularly sinister, but it's it's a quite a shocking amount of uh, um, difference between you know the top two. I mean, like massive. Does anyone feel uh, any particularly strongly about this? I don't know. um, Jem, I'll come to you because you were we're... making a sort of thoughtful face. Uh, Oh, (laughs)
2: sorry. I'll just.
0: I mean, uh, do you consume? I mean, you know, even now it's like, yeah, we've got CDs. We've got this lovely hi-fi stuff. Do you bother with all that stuff when you want to listen to music? Or do you just stick it on your phone and stick it in your iPod dock or whatever, you know?
2: Uh, it's I do. I mean, I do look at YouTube to for referencing tracks and stuff, not not lifting them, but just listening to them. But it's kind of like even that's becoming counterproductive because I'm getting so bored of the ads you have to sit through now. You know, it's just. That, and I realize. Well, I don't maybe it's that monetizing thing. It's it's all just. I I mean, I could be speaking out of turn, but I just find Google incredibly cynical as an experience. You know, it's that sign in. Oh no, we're not we're not harvesting this details. We just want to kind of know if you're all right, all that kind of stuff. It's I I try and. I try and um, not uh, access too much music via YouTube and, and that kind of thing. But then again, it's that thing of you get so many people saying, "Oh, we want it to be." You get links, people look at this or check this out, and it's always YouTube. And it's kind of, and it's I don't know, it's it it it's it's it feels it almost feels a bit like it's a war we can't even think about winning. You know what I mean? it would be lovely if there was a whole different type of of, of a plethora of places we could access music and listen to stuff and vimeo is really really good but again no one really seems to use it and i think had it if it was any other industry there'd be some monopoly commission looking at them going hang on a minute this can't be right
0: yeah i mean i think that's probably uh true in many ways i mean because it just just seems like such a ridiculous difference there i mean don't do you, i don't know but does it make any difference what do you think, Gaz?
4: Um... <laughs> I think I'd rather everything be in one place rather than have to search multiple sites to find something, you know, so I, you know, in a way I like everything being centralized, even if that is playing some kind of corporate game. But, um, it's certainly true. A uh, YouTube is just used in so many ways now, you know, as a everything, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's the first place you look for something. Um, and I don't know how anything could possibly rival it. Uh, like I noticed uh, yesterday, the opera I was in a couple of years ago has just gone online in in its entirety, the full. In fact, the full three D version is now viewable online if you've got the right hardware, uh, and that's on um, Daily Motion. So I was thinking about this because I was thinking, oh, Daily Motion. You know, how often do I go and look on something on Daily Motion? hardly ever um same with them. they're on
0: this they're on the graph they're three up from the bottom
4: right <laughs> <laughs> um and it's just like car blimey I, I how can you compete with youtube i just don't know um and it's so easy to upload stuff onto youtube and and because everyone uses it and it's so easy to embed it into facebook mm. and
0: i wonder if it's getting to the point where it's becoming a commodity rather than a service i mean it's just like yeah. you know, it's it's a it's, mm. it's a backbone rather than the actual thing and it's just that so you know could you imagine a point where they'd actually have to i mean this is getting slightly out of the realms of music but i mean in the same way that they when they deregulated um british telecom you know all these other people just came in and were allowed to sell the last bit so you know you could imagine google having their um their advertising monopoly stripped and you know so other people have advertised via YouTube and YouTube just end up delivering. I mean, it'd be, it's a pretty interesting idea. I don't know. Is the, What's the perception of this kind of thing in the States, Rich? I mean, is, that, does anyone, is anyone really all that bothered about it? I mean, I, I'm not particularly bothered about it, but I just saw such a massive disparity. I thought it was worth discussing.
1: Well, I can't speak for the United States, but <laughs> I'm not horrified. Um, I don't know. On some level, it's biting the hand that feeds you, too, seeing as how these shows end up up there. But yeah. it's it's a model that nobody has matched yet, and people have access to it and can upload their own stuff and can see all kinds of other stuff, and it all looks like some combination of heaven and the public library. So I guess who's to say if that's bad? It's another way of putting the public library in your pocket. Yeah, that's a,
0: that's an interesting way of looking at it as well. I mean, I, I suppose the thing is, is if you open this stuff up and people can just upload a kind of, oh, look, there's a funny shaped cloud video via their mobile phones or whatever, then yes, it's down to people who run channels that are trusted. I mean, you know, like us, we're very niche. So, you know, we're not going to upload stuff, pictures of kittens and what have you. It's going to be, you know, things that
3: are, are hopefully... I've got um, a puppy. Yeah, you've got you got my puppy.
0: Yeah, we we saw a bit of that. You sometimes get a bit a shot of Mark's puppy on the show, but
3: uh, it's probably probably a good idea not to encourage him at the moment, isn't it?
0: Perhaps not. He might start. Can jumping I pat
3: the ball back the other way now? Yeah, because go for I'm it. I'm feeling very contrarian and philosophical. And my contrary philosophical mind has gone here, and that is, I was discussing something with East and Gina in the car the other day, and we were talking about YouTube, and Gina said um, that she was educating East about various different things, and she showed him the first ever YouTube video, which was 17 seconds long, and then she said... And do you know when it was? And I was like, oh, no, no, it must have been years ago. And she was like 2005, okay? So we've only had YouTube since 2005. It's existed for, like, less than 10 years. And it's become this kind of mainstay of the way that we use video data. And although we're all sitting sort of saying, well, you know, I can't understand or can't sort of imagine that it could go anywhere else, somebody will start something. We've no idea what it will be, but it will be... Some other thing that will just kind of, it'll gently slide away from that. Because when YouTube started, it was all MySpace, and now it's kind of shifted off to Facebook, Mm. hasn't it? So maybe Facebook will disappear somewhere and something else will come along. So it's I'm, huge. Sort of, I'm not too worried that they've got the Monopoly on it at Google. the moment. I think it will just naturally go somewhere else. With whoever, you know, Somebody will come up with the technology for holding liquid in uh, sound waves. And, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and that will be put on um, the Daily Motion or somewhere else where people will go instead. Yeah. Uh, who
3: no- yeah, who knows where it will go. I just think it will probably go somewhere else in 10 talking, years' I'm, time. We'll be having I'm... a different discussion.
2: I've just got a bit of a downer on YouTube at the moment because um, my band did a DVD, which was released about three weeks ago. and Two days after it was released, the entire thing was on YouTube.
0: Didn't you put? Did That's you not put? A, you, did you not put? Did you not put a takedown on that? I mean, you can do. I because... did, yeah, no, I
2: did, I did. But thankfully, fan power—they all found this bloke on Twitter and went, "You!" Yeah, and he was like, "Oh!" So it was kind of—it did work out. But it was just that kind of disappointing thing of it cost us, you know, whatever, however many grand to make.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. Two you know, that bang. is the downside of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guys, yeah, so you looked like you wanted to come in there.
4: Well, it was just uh, on the point of the Mark was mm-hmm. saying there about YouTube and something else happening. Uh, it's quite interesting. Facebook now, young people are deserting Facebook in their droves. Uh, it's really, oh, no. it's uh, it's really started to happen, and and it's being described as it's it's because. Parents, grandparents—it's gone to everybody now. So Facebook is so unhip. Uh, There's uh, no
0: it, exclusivity it, to it.
4: Yeah, so so the youngsters, you know, who generally turn out to be the movers and shakers, really, they're they're deserting in in, in massive numbers now. So, so
3: where are they going? Do you know?
4: Uh, unfortunately, I'm not I'm not down and hip with the youngsters to know, but. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But but just just to just to back your point up, I'm sure that wherever they're going, that will turn into this huge superpower in, at some point in the future. So, yeah. yes. Mm.
0: Well, I suppose the thing is about YouTube is that, I mean, that, that although they've, they've, that they've been changing the commenting, so it's got more of a social aspect to it. It was really just about here's a video. Ultimately, wasn't it? You know, I mean, because we, I mean, we started doing video in about 2002 and we started out, you know, with real video and we had to encode it and load it onto our servers and, you know, it would be streamed from that. And YouTube came along. We didn't actually start using YouTube ourselves until about two years ago. Uh, properly uh maybe th- uh, are we only just like the trade shows now we upload our videos to youtube just because we don't want to have to pay the enormous bandwidth that it takes for us you know if if, if we do ten thousand videos and they're all 40 megs i mean that's a big chunk of change so I, i've saved myself a bunch of money and that's again it's convenient so it works from both both ends of the of the consumer and the uh, content creator as well
3: They've made it really accessible as well. I mean, if I'm in the park with my kid and he does something interesting, I can take a video of him, I can press a button. It's on YouTube in five minutes over the 3G network, and then I can send a text to my dad and say, Dad, have a look and see what we just did, and, you know, sort of just for family stuff or, uh, you know, your home video or sharing your wild ideas. Yeah. So it's, uh, Dan- it's just instantly there.
0: That's true. I mean, convenience, that's what I was, I mean, that's what I suppose I mean, you know, the convenience as opposed to the, to, you know, when does it become too intrusive that it doesn't, uh, that, you know, the experience is ruined? Because if you're using it for music, and you're maybe sort of DJing on YouTube, I mean, are we going to end up in a position where it's going to be, there's going to have to be a YouTube premium, like there was with Spotify, which gets rid of the ad, so you could just kind of play the stuff as you want. I mean, it, it's going to end up that way, I'm sure, in the end. Yeah. But. Um,
2: I quite uh, like Mark. I like, I like Mark's visit to the future. I think if you could have like video and water delivered at the same time, <laughs> you could, we could call it you flume or something. I'm going to watch Gaga and have a glass of water. Brilliant. I love it. Actually. I'm there. I'm there. Well, yeah, that, although it's,
0: it's more likely to be Coca-Cola or some other carbonated <laughs> beverage, isn't it? And uh, like a scratch and sniff, oh, they'll be sort funny. of, you know. Um, what else have we got? Oh, yes. Here we are. The, does anyone fancy this? This is the uh, Eventide um, Mood plugin. And uh, this is telling us, it's sort of a traffic light system as whether something's happy or sad or. Um... Oh. Is that actually, that sounds like somebody singing an Edith Piaf song who's not Edith Piaf, but. I think it's Jacques Brel. Jacques Brel, Also works in other DAWs, I'd be pleased to know.
3: Year, five
0: so uh, this is uh, an interesting idea it's a visual <laughs> plugin that analyzes the audio it's from Eventide and they, they sort of say what you're probably wondering why why we're doing it it's because a lot of what they do is about analyzing audio to find out what's going on and then applying DSP programs so they said uh, a mood is a bit whimsical and no doubt we'll, some will question why we bother to create the plugin the fact is the audio analysis is at the heart of what we do and we we're curious to ensure explore the possibility of using signal analysis to map musical content to emotion said even tides tony yang um we were also inspired by a well-known producer who upon learning the idea said we're nuts fair enough that's kind of it and they've only trained it on pop songs you can download it uh you have to go to um i, I forgot what the url is i'll put it in the show notes and um and basically you, it's only on iLock, i think so there's an awful lot of marketing data being grabbed email address iLock account and then they'll stick on there and then you can do it any good mark did you try it Mark's not back. Anyone tried it? Anyone? I am back. Oh, I right, did try it. it. Does it have any I, I mean haven't... does it have any purpose? I mean do you need to know whether or not or is that the thing that you perhaps use when you're playing it to the film director and he says it needs to be sadder and you go look, it's fully sad <laughs> on the mood board. It cannot physically be any sadder than this.
3: <laughs> I put um, I put I put it in logic. So I downloaded the AU version, put it on my iLock account. Registered it, put it in Logic, and then I ran Soundflower through. Uh, I put my computer's output through Soundflower back into Logic, um, and ran it as an A, yeah, as an AU plugin, and had it so I could play things in iTunes, and then it would give me um, an indication of what things were. And it told me that uh, Gary Newman was um, happy and calm, and then it told me that Ziggy Stardust was angry and happy at the same time um, mm. so it's kind of well I, I, I'm not sure what it's, how, it's like, how it's doing it I mean it's I suppose it's a bit of fun really so they've got my email address now um, and oh, I analysed some of my own music which it said was happy and I don't think I've ever been happy in my life actually so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, aren't you I'm happy now? I've a throat definitely. <laughs> so, okay. I, I might produce something happy It's something of an irony.
0: So does it have a purpose? I suppose is the uh, I mean it seems like it is a bit of fun and it's got some publicity but I I suppose it what would be more useful if it was the other way round you just pour any music in and turn the sad or the and so you get something more of yeah, that would be pretty good. I don't know um yeah. I
1: love the image of showing the movie director that it couldn't possibly be any more know, sad. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> it's fully into our earlier
0: conversation very nicely. Well, so that could, could have a useful for that. It could have a use well, for that, the,
2: then. I couldn't think of a use before you said that, Nick. So now you said that, that's just like, it's the ultimate client silencer, isn't it? Brilliant. Okay. <laughs>
0: you know, do I all of off? these oh.
3: things, the, the angry, uh, calm... I forgot what they are. Angry, calm, happy, sad. All of them uh, produce MIDI control data as well. So if you play a piece of music into it, it will spit out a whole load of MIDI controllers for what purpose I don't know. Or you can connect it to OSC as well, and and ask it to send. You, could, you know, it can well, send angry, happy, calm, and you sad could, to the to the adjacent studio maybe. You
1: could have. You could know.
2: have like sort of. You could have like aromatherapy things with fans attached
3: blowing different smells yeah. into the studio depending on the kind of <laughs> or lighting. So Maybe you I'm just missing a trick. I mean Glastonbury is
0: the Jesus mark you just need to make up something up. All What you need to do like... what you need to do is create some kind of box that has like an Arduino in it or a, a Raspberry Pi that runs this plugin that just outputs <laughs> stuff to people of Glastonbury that they can find useful.
3: <laughs> Wire them up and analyze them. Well, you know, if it if it did if it did really Analyze something maybe i can't do i can't I would never charlatan things oh, as, okay, uh,
0: uh, just a bit of I don't know but I mean Gaz, do i mean i can't I suppose that i can't really see what use it would be in any way unless it, you could get it to work the other way around
4: yeah it's uh, but it, it feels a little bit reductive to take music to just those four, four elements really because <laughs> um, most of the music I make is kind of puzzling. And disturbing and unple- unpleasant and rubbish and none of those kind of categories kind of sum that up. <laughs> I wonder, so, yes,
0: what what combinations of those four uh, four emotions are, are unpleasant? Mm. Sad and angry. That's quite unpleasant, I suppose, isn't it? They just just sounds like sort of awful ways to describe people, doesn't it? Really. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think you're right though. It, it's just a, it's just a little marketing gimmick, really, though, isn't it? And I think um, I I don't know. Uh, I I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know what
0: else to say. Thank you.
2: <laughs> I think you could you could have one in a live context. So you got when you got a band on stage, you can have like under rehearsed bit hung over, these lights could kind of come on depending, on, certainly with my band
0: anyway <laughs> You could, yeah, if, if they were attached to the monitor engineer's kind of uh, controls then you could have <laughs> then if you had something that was working the opposite direction you could kind of pep them up a bit with you know, some sort of software processing of their audio musical output interesting idea
3: The anyway. final thing I noticed about it actually was that the license runs out on the 2nd of April 2014 so one has to wonder if there may be an element of April Fool about it
0: yeah, that's getting one in real early, isn't it, there?
3: Absolutely. They the first. they might sort of drop the bombshell on April the 1st. Actually, it was a big joke, and it doesn't really do anything other than move. Oh, man.
0: Uh, uh, are we about to enter? You know, we're getting to the April Fool version of Loudness Wars or um, X number of days till Christmas shopping, so you have to get your April Fool joke out so much further in advance for it to kind of break through all of the other April Fools that are going to be out <laughs> the time. Oh, man, I hope not. That would be I, I'm going to, have to start thinking about mine now. I haven't got one. We, know, we don't do them very often here, actually, but uh, maybe they'll be maybe they're going to release a load of April full fodder on um, just before the, April the second. but yeah, interesting. If you fancy giving it a go and you're not sure whether your music is happy, sad or angry, or uh, what was the other one?
3: Good. Calm.
0: Calm, then um, this yep. can help you find We're out. All of those
3: all at the same time.
0: Yeah, then you know you might need it, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a bit of fun, really. Uh, Node supergroup new release. This is kind of cool. This is um, the supergroup. You're in a supergroup, Gem. Am I? uh, Well, aren't Frost a supergroup?
2: No.
0: Oh, I thought they. I thought they were a kind of prog supergroup. No. No, it's
2: it's more like sort of it's like just a collection of farmers, really. Musical terms. (laughs) It's musical farmers. Nothing. Nothing
0: super about us. Well, this is what Node. Like. Node actually uh, uh, produced. Well, there's th- uh, Flood uh, is one of the main guys. Uh, Ed Buller, uh, Dave Bessel, and uh, a new member, Mel Wesson, who has most recently provided soundscapes for Hans Zimmer's blockbuster film. And you can basically, uh, if I get the, uh, where is it here? I think I found um, ah, Supergroup Node, and they they did some really interesting stuff actually. Uh, where they, they, they all got together and performed at Paddington with, with their modular gear for a day. Wow. Uh, this is the sort of stuff they do. They just hook it all up. They must spend so much time when they get in the studio, they book a session, it probably takes six hours for it all to warm up and communicate with each other properly. So it must be um, quite a laugh. Um, but this was a, there's a beautiful shot of this on uh, Syftotopia. If I just grab that. That was from one of the sessions that they did at Battery Studios. I mean, that is a pretty impressive set up there. Look, you see this. I mean, this thing over here looks pretty impressive. I can't tell what it is. But then you look at that. I mean, it's just an enormous, vast wall of analog stuff. And I think a lot of these guys are into the idea of creating stuff for the, for the moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is interesting. It looks like a whole three tiers of um, cheap controller keyboards. Um, but, yeah, if you want to listen to what it's like. I'll, I'll, oh, no, I haven't got that plugged in work (laughs) excellent piece of uh technical preparation there no it ain't gonna work so i'm afraid that's no good um (laughs) it did sound quite pedestrian though i must say when i was listening to it did anyone get a chance to listen to it i mean no it's it's supposed to be quite a seminal album for those lovers of analog goodness um but uh i I listened to it i listened to it I don't know these
1: guys from Adam, but I listen to their music. It's a great
0: idea, though, isn't it? Do you think it's the the equivalent of doing uh, one of those kind of period orchestral pieces where you don't play with any vibrato or you only use instruments of a certain age to kind of create that authentic tone? I think we might be starting to see this idea of uh, albums that are only made using technology that's over 40 years old, perhaps, or that only works on voltage. That would be an interesting notion. It's like a concept album, I suppose, isn't it, in a way?
1: I guess it, it, there's a long tradition of this, um, you know, going back to Tangerine Dream and Mother Mallard's Portable Masterpiece Company and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was cool. I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought they did well. It, it wasn't groundbreaking uh, It very often, but it was fun and I enjoyed
0: it. I think it's going to be coming out on February the 18th, if I look at that, so just a few days um yeah, not not too long ago. Uh, do, incidentally, um, there's I, I was watching quite a lot of television over Christmas, and there's a really awful um, BBC, I think it might be BBC quiz program called Pointless Celebrities, where the idea is to answer the most obscure questions against a public poll, and the lower number of people that vote, the uh, the, the better you do. So your the idea is to get the least points possible, effectively. And uh, there was a a, a question about uh, bands with fruit in the title. And uh, one of them was Tangerine Dream. <laughs> hey, which well, you don't get to see that very often on mainstream television. And it was a very low-scoring um, scoring round. Anyway, if, you, if those who are interested, that is probably not very interesting. I don't know. Do you like a bit of analog noodling there, Jem? Um,
2: yeah, I hadn't. I have to confess, I hadn't heard of Node because I think their last album was like twenty years ago, wasn't it? The first album.
0: It was a while back. Yeah.
2: And I think it's it's the entire thing is improvised and they just did a bit of editing, which I think is quite a nice sort of modus operandi. Seems Hello. to be quite a vogue thing at the moment. It's a sort of I mean I I I quite liked it, I've got to say. i had a listen to it and I found it very calming.
0: It is quite calming, yes. It's kind of floaty.
2: Floaty. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: And, and the thing that you will notice about it, it's not full of massive banging over super loud beats. It's very light in that department, and that's quite refreshing in a way.
2: I yeah, it's think. sort of it's just it's I think it's an evolving you know, from, it just sounds like they're just evolving sequences, you know, sort of evolving as it being layered and different sort of dissonant things. Um, it's actually one thing I noticed was it's kind of it always seems to be this thing with analog stuff that if, when if it's a bit out of tune, everyone goes, oh, it's analog. But this stuff all seemed sort of very nicely tuned up. And it all was kind of it's it was it was. Uh, yeah, it was it was. I enjoyed it, you know. I think it was good. Maybe they they it. might
0: have multi-tracked it and Melodyned it all into tune because that's one thing that Melodyne <laughs> is really good for—is tuning up um, knackered old analog synthesizers. If you want n- that not to be the desired effect of the sound, I, I think. I think they
2: they kind of insisted that it was basically just them in a room, and that was that was what they did. I think it was two sessions, yeah, two
0: days or something. Mm-hmm. They um, said two, well, s- two sessions over a year and a half. So I'm wondering if oh. those. <laughs> if, I'm wondering if they were actually re- it took them that long to actually. <laughs> do it, or whether or not, you know, whether it was just, you know, one at the beginning of the year and one 18 months later for half a day, I don't know. I mean, you've got to imagine that setting up that kind of setup in battery, uh, I don't know where Flood, uh, or or if Flood, or any of those guys has a sort of resident, you know, you often get a resident producer. I mean, just just getting that stuff in there, tuned up, plugged in, and those little fairy lights working and all that stuff, I mean, that's going to take several (laughs) days of just... You know, business, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. Anyway, I don't know, Mark. Would you? Uh, did you have a listen to that? No, it didn't. Float I'm your feeling
3: boat. quite dreamy and maybe a bit orange myself, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Glastonbury.
0: It sounds like the sort of thing you get on one of those special stands in a Glastonbury kind of uh, shop with dolphins atop it.
3: Yeah, pizza man. Um, so yeah, I listened to it. Now I don't know if it's my ears uh, which it could be, they might be broken now but it did sound a little bit to me, like especially on the kind of shenai flutey kind of sounds that there was a little bit of digital reverb on there and I don't know why people always put digital reverb on shenai flutey kind of sounds because I, I like I like analogue synthesizers to sound like, that's really raw and just plugged in and, and there was sort of an element of Ambience to that, which in my opinion probably shouldn't have been there.
0: Ah, I, I, I'm because I'm, so, I was thinking the, the exact opposite that there was very little ambience around most of it, but then there'd be one focus instrument that did have something and probably a lot yeah, of no, delays. But, well,
3: I mean, well, maybe uh, I mean, I, I just should be I would expect to hear sort of really dirty tape echo maybe with a synth, but this is just my personal preference, of course, and maybe I'm. You know, maybe it sounds too dry and too... You know, it, it it sounded like somebody had done something to try and make it sound a bit bigger, like a bit of spatial and a bit of ambience on it, which I I think was unnecessary. I like dry Dry. Analog, it's really totally dry.
0: I like that. Uh, um, Dave Spears has got that uh, Strymon El Capitan el Capistan, which is a really i want to get one of those it's a fantastic sounding analog delay emulation it's essentially some dsp boards shark it's a shark dsp and a foot pedal but it just sounds absolutely brilliant if you listen to any of the recent uploads that dave's been posting on the geforce tv channel it's all over that i mean it just it does sound they they do sound really good so i think digital's okay in some instances because when it's a analog emulation. Well,
3: no, well, uh, but there's just that kind of that lush lexicon sound and there seem to be a, or wow. even like a real room. I mean synthesizers have outputs on them and don't play into real rooms. They're electronic instruments. So like stick it straight to tape and forget about ambience. It doesn't need to be on it. Um, and again I might be wrong. Maybe they've maybe somebody's done something really clever with white noise that makes it sound ambient, but ah. I I I want it to sound raw.
0: Oi, Flood, I like,
3: no! <laughs> I, I, I just need to say that I did actually like the music and I thought it sounded good and I liked the the content. It's just the way that it was um, presented.
0: Well, it's available, as I said. It's going to be on the second or, uh, sorry, no, uh, 18th of February um, and um, you can get it via uh, di, d, din.org, which I think is Ian Boddy's website. Um, Let's see. News at dinner. It looks like it here. Let me just show that up. Uh, it's uh, limited to a thousand copies. Release date: eighteenth of February, two thousand and fourteen. Synth Supergroup Node returned ter- return with their first release since nineteen ninety five, and their vast arsenal of vintage analog equipment. What more can you ask from an album description than that? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if they just released the album. And then a book with a load of pictures of their kit on it. They'll probably sell tons of it. So it sounds like it's, it's going to be... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's go, man. Because I've
3: left myself wide open for like a, a terse response from someone now, haven't I?
0: Um, <laughs> I can't see anything in the chat room. You seem to be fairly safe now. But that does bring was, us to the end of our topics. I, oh, Gaz. Oh, I was going to jump in with something about
4: that. But if... Quite possibly better that I didn't really, but <laughs> no, no. I was going to say that analog synth music, um, if one is on psychedelic drugs, now this is just purely what I've read, um, then the experience of listening to certain sounds are quite a profound thing. And there was an album, and I can't remember what it was, from I think either late 60s or early 70s, where one corner of the sleeve had been dipped in lysergic acid or just a very small part oh of the Oh, my god uh and it was if you and you could just nibble on your album sleeve at this particular place and then listen to the album <laughs> Uh, and it would enhance the album experience somewhat. Wow. have been Grateful Dead, hasn't it?
0: I can't imagine how you get that. I mean, can you imagine being being kind of that coming out, and it's like, you know, the, the, the distributor has essentially been distributing Class A drugs to a completely unvetted audience of minors. That would be, uh, wow. Very irresponsible, but uh, interesting idea, Gaz. Don't well, yeah, recommend it. Just, yeah,
4: just thought maybe they, they need to do something like that just for their marketing Oh, campaign. I see what
0: you mean, yes. So maybe they could have a, uh, I, I don't know, like a... Um, uh, I yes, I, I'm struggling to think of anything that I can say that won't get me into some sort of trouble. But perhaps <laughs> well, they don't there need There do. be some cool kind eat. of
3: synthetic legal high they could tack to the corner of it, surely? Uh, you're probably
0: right. <laughs> How could you tack it to a digital download? Maybe what it needs to be is delivered in a waveform, like a little globule that is just sort of... And, you know, just... Um,
3: yeah. Oh, said, there's, uh, there are those digital drug downloads. Has anybody seen those? Where they I'm use ne- the binaural uh, beats technology to alter people's brain states? If you just type "digital drugs" into uh, <laughs> Google, you'll find loads <laughs> of sites selling these things. And there was a an article in one of the British newspapers saying how terrible these things were, and people's teenagers were being taken off to Satan by listening to them, and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, just one of them prior to listening to it would sort it right out
0: wouldn't it wow I don't know what to say to that I've never heard that That sounds like uh, that's what really yeah what an interesting idea
3: I'll, f- I'll find a, a link and send it to you. Maybe we could uh, have it as a topic.
0: <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, everybody. Um, I've got to head off because I'm, uh, I'm in training. You see, I'm walking to and from work every day to sort of get in training for Nam because I've been living a sedentary lifestyle during Christmas. So now I'm walking a couple of miles each, each way to work and back so that I might, I'm in tip-top physical shape. Um, for the Nam experience which uh, not next week but the week after I'll be travelling, I'll be there and then so we, we got next week's show and then we got a couple of weeks off because there'll be travel days in between so so if you want to catch ah, I've just noticed my uh, vid, my audio recorder was full so I'm going to have to extract the audio from this but anyway, anyway, never mind, that's not something that I need to uh, share with everyone so I want to say thank you very much to everybody for listening uh, it's been great fun and great uh, to have you all aboard so we'll start over there with uh, Jem Godfrey um, with his his, his his Emach two, I could yeah. see you're gonna. Oh, I you gonna! I tell you what, get it. a sequence, get prepared. And maybe we can play out with it. That would be good. Anyway, Jem, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Is that working. Oh, ah, latest <laughs> technology. Uh, we'll also say thank you very much to Mr. Rich Hilton back from his travels. Are you back for a while now? Are we going to see a bit more of you, or are you off again, off into the off to the rest of the planet? Ah, for... oh, there he goes.
2: Working, I can do it. Sorry.
0: Thank you very much. So anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. Are you going to be around for a bit, or are you off again? I'm home for a while. Oh, that's great. Well, I hope. Uh, yeah. I hope that um, the weather stays good for you, and you can uh, enjoy your home rather than <laughs> rather than batten down the hatches and get the generator fired up.
1: It's really, really
0: cold here. Oh, is it? Like between, I'd say, fifteen and twenty below centigrade. Wow, <laughs> that is cold. We haven't had any of that wind. business here at all yet, so I'm, I'm hoping it happens after I fly out of the country rather than just before I fly out of the country. Um, but anyway, th- thanks, Rich. been a pleasure to have you Thank on. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to the all-seeing eye of Mr. Gaz Williams. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> You would need to sack that cameraman. It's the it's digital drone. Okay, drug. sorry.
4: Uh, I've just been nibbling on my album, but no. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you,
0: everybody. Thanks uh, very much, guys. Yeah, lots of fun. I uh, will see, see you, you again soon. And uh, I'm going to go back to Mr. Jem Godfrey, who's going to play us out with something. Yes. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, he'll play us out, and I'll fade to black as we go. Ready? How about Ready? Mark? Stand by. What about Mark? Oh, sorry, Mark. Did I not say goodbye to you? God, I'm, I'm You remiss. didn't,
3: but I was, uh, I was trying to uh, practice this non-egoic kind of, like, you know... Kind no, of, you,
0: you are fully... You are fully <laughs> things and you are be, f-
3: be like Hans Zimmer.
0: <laughs> Mark, I, um, I I can only apologise and say thank you very much, and uh, please do come back.
3: Don't... Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> I would love doing this. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Anyway, marktinley.co.uk is where you can see more of Mark to make up for the fact that I didn't actually say goodbye but thank you very much mark and we'll go back to um i've forgot anybody else have i we'll go back to jem who's going to press the button on his antique 80s equipment there he goes oh yeah dance again